Hello, Summoners, and welcome to another episode of Phaeology, the study of Fire Emblem Heroes. My name is Ilyalador, and I'll be your Phaeologist today. So today's episode is kind of a different one. Uh, I figured, you know, break away from all the analysis and uh, do some analysis of uh, a different sort. So ever since the release of Brave Celica, we've had these... Uh, expanded on skills they're inheritable and uh they have greater effects when compared to lower variants of of their effect so uh, of course we're talking about skills like death blow four and uh, a newer one like joint like joint speed uh joint hone speed skills like that i i personally i don't refer to them as level four skills i, I call them limit break skills limit, limit broken skills um just to, to clarify, for those of you who haven't played uh, Fire Emblem Awakening, Limit Break was a skill you could get by completing a DLC chapter. I think it was Rogues and Redeemers 3, I believe. Sorry, it's been a while since I played Awakening, but I farmed that skill like no tomorrow. It was one of the best skills in the game. And basically its effect was it allowed you to uh, exceed... Your, your stat caps by 10. So let's say you could get a max of 43 attack. If you equipped Limit Breaker, you could get a max of 53 attack, and you'd still have to level up and gain those stats, but it just it did what it said. It broke your limits and gave you uh, an additional 10 to grow. Is oh, about the only way to beat the really hard DLC maps was, was to use that. So uh, in my opinion, that's kind of what these skills do. They're all only available on one unit, and they're inheritable to other units, and they all make really fantastic skills. Uh, but what they are uh, like limit-broke versions of their lesser forms, and that they have stronger effects that are, are more useful. So, uh, I thought I would go ahead and give you my opinions on them, why they're better than their other forms, and kind of how they uh, stack up to one another, just you know, I'm not going to make a tier list out of these since there's only a, a grand total of six of them at the moment. As of as of this recording, I, Intelligent Systems has not gone and uh, power crept their their other skills. But just to clarify, I'm not going over um, personal skills such as uh, the skills that the winners of the Choose Your Legends uh, bracket get. So. No Sakai's blessing or Bjork's blessing; those are those are non-heritable. Also, no, say like recover ring from Arvis or follow up ring from Arden, just because you know, like I said, those aren't inheritable. So they, while they are skills and they have certain effects, you can't really measure their effect on other units because you can't get their effect on other units. I'm also not including skills from weapons like. Roy's uh, Binding Blade effect. I think it's the, yeah, the Refined Binding Blade, where he can get kind of like a quicker post 5. I'm not going to count things like that either. These are only um, effects that are inheritable and are passive skills, things like that. Um, so that, that should also go to say no Powercraft specials like Black Luna or Radiant Ether. <clears throat> 
so starting off, uh, we have the original Death Blow 4. Kind of an interesting... So Death Blow 3 is uh, the non-limit broken form of Death Blow 4. And it's it's a pretty good skill. A lot of people ran it if they didn't want Swift Sparrow. But now that Death Blow 4 is out, uh, Death Blow 3 is still good. It's nice. It's just become more of a budget option. Which is always, it's always been somewhat budget compared to the Swift Sparrow. But now it's even more budget for pure attack builds. So Death Blow 4 gives 8 attack in the player phase as opposed to Death Blow 3, which only gives 6 attack in the player phase. It's a really nice skill for, obviously, player phase units, or really, really high attack units, because uh, once you've overcome the defense threshold of your enemies, or the resistance threshold, then it's all just pure damage from there. So, definitely, Death Blow 4 is a really strong skill. It always has been, since... Well, since it came out on Brave Celica, and it's if you look at uh, all the skill sets that use uh, Death Blow Four just on Game Press, then there's pages and pages and pages of them. They're everywhere. Everyone wants Death Blow Four. No one does it. In fact, it goes all the way to a page twenty of builds, and uh, each page has. Oh, one, two, three, four, five, five builds on it. So that's, what, 96 different builds on Game Press use Death Blow 4. It's just, it's a really optimal skill, and it should be, because if you're going to fodder it to someone, it means you're going to give up a Brave Celica, who is one of the greatest sword units in the game. <laughs> so, uh, if I was going to make a, a personal tier list, I, which I'm not, it would definitely be uh, good on that. Uh, the issue with it is that it's it's even it has been power crept, and uh, you'll see that later. But uh, overall, Death Blow Four it's a great skill because it's limit broken. It's a power creep skill. It's designed to be good and something a lot of units want, and uh, it does a really good job of that. Uh, going alphabetically, the next limit broken skill is Fortress Defense Resistance. That comes native on Cliff. Um, it's about his only selling point. <laughs> Being fair, Cliff is not a really good hero. Not a lot of people uh, really s want him all that much combat-wise. He's, he's pretty terrible, but uh, Fortress Defense Resistance 3 is not terrible. So Fortress Defense Resistance is its own line of skill, so you could make a case for it just being a new class of skills, but if you look at its effect, it's definitely a power crit version of Fortress Defense and Fortress Resistance, so definitely, definitely good. Um, just going over those, Fortress Defense and Fortress Resistance are skills that function by reducing the uh, attack of your unit by 3, and granting 5 to either defense or resistance. Uh, it's inheritable by all units, and it uh, it comes on several units. We actually had a banner for it not too long ago, but Fortress Defense Resistance is, uh, it power creeps all that, so 
um, instead of plus five to either defense or resistance, you get plus six to both defense and resistance. So instead of losing three attack and gaining five defense, say you'll now lose only two attack because you the the penalty is lessened and you'll gain a six defense instead of five, and you'll also get set six resistance. So instead of giving you uh, an overall stat increase of two, it gives you an overall stat increase of ten. So this is a really uh, cool skill to me, especially, because I love the enemy phase. However, um, it's, it's a little bit less sought after than uh, others other skills, especially like the death blow that we just got to. I mean, on, on game press, there's, there's not, instead of having 96 builds that use it, there's only 6 builds that use it. So, about 90 less by my calculations. Uh, it's a lot less of a sought-after skill, but being fair, I actually like it just as much as Deathblow 4. Because uh, for being what it is, a, a power creep skill, it does a better job of, of power creeping than Deathblow 4 does. Because sure, Deathblow 4 is uh, just directly a boosted form of Deathblow 3. But while Fortress Defense Resistance is its own class of skills... It's it's obviously just an uh, it's just an increase from fortress defense and fortress resistance, and it's so much better. It isn't even worth contemplating. I mean, the difference between uh, Deathblow three and Deathblow four is negligible. Is not that big. It's only two attack in the player phase. However, the difference between say fortress resistance three and fortress defense resistance three it's one resistance one attack and six defense i mean that's that's a substantial difference if you, if you actually want to look at its effect um death blow four will grant you two extra attack in the player phase but the jump from fortress defense Three or Fortress Resistance three to Fortress Defense Resistance three gives you one extra attack per phase. So really, the attack that it gives you from the Fortress Ordinary Base Fortress skills to the Powercraft Fortress skills, actually the attack difference is the same as the change between Deathblow three and Deathblow four, and it comes with the added bonus of giving an extra one to whichever you had previously to either defense or resistance, and an extra six to the other. So it just makes you a really great wall, and it lowers the penalty to your attack. So overall, I like this skill way better than Deathblow 4. To me, Deathblow 4 is just a waste of Brave Celica, because you want to maybe fudge her attack up a little bit higher. You can do that by slapping drive attack to an ally or something. But with this... This is just such a big increase, and I like it a lot as a skill. But if you're going to look at this from, say, Fortress Defense Resistance 3 to Deathblow, Deathblow 4, I mean, Deathblow 4 is probably better fodder overall, just because the situation in which it's useful means it's going to be really useful. It's just it's not an overall massive difference from the 3 to 4 range. So while Deathblow 4 is a great skill... 
the, the change in effect from the level 3 variant to the level 4 variant actually isn't all that much. Whereas the change from a fortress defense skill or fortress resistance skill, which this obviously is power creeping, to the fortress defense resistance is, in my opinion, much, much better. And overall, it suits a, a style of play that I feel isn't properly represented in the game. I really like more tanky units as opposed to outright one-round KOing units. And sure, they're not as good. Objectively, they're not as good, but... Uh, if you know how to play them right, they can be just as devastating. I mean, a good wall is really hard to break no matter who you are. So, uh, Fortress Defense Resistance, I really like it. I think it's underrated, and uh, I think it makes Cliff... It's, it makes it even more apparent why he sucks, and you should just fodder him off, because this is a really good skill. Moving on to the next one, we have Hone Attack 4. It's an interesting skill, to say the least, uh, just by the fact that they chose this to be the uh, the skill they, they power-crept. They, they said to power-creep Hono Attack 3, so kind of cool to me, but getting down to it, uh, Hono Attack 3 grants adjacent allies attack plus 4 uh, at the start of turn to adjacent allies. It's a nice skill uh, if you want to have support potential. I mean, it comes on, uh, let's see, it comes on female Corin, Nino, Olivia, Sarah, Sonicky, Matilda, Performing Arts, Inigo, Fallen Celica, and New Year Hrid. And uh, three of those, it even comes at four star. So, uh, not not a uh, skill that's hard to get by any means. I mean, it comes on three units who are in the four star pool at 4-star, so definitely easy to get, but Hone Attack 4 comes on New Year Hood and New Year Hood alone, and it grants a similar effect. It gives them attack plus 7 for one turn. So, uh, it has less text on it, but it's, uh, it's clearly just an increase from a level 3 to level 4 skill. But instead of giving a boost of plus 2 or plus 1, like you might have even expected, it grants a boost of plus 3. So, pretty nice, I think. Uh, without a doubt, I think uh, if you're going to go for you know, certain team compositions, it can be a downright disgusting skill. If you're going to run this with, say, a legendary Azura with her prayer wheel, then... <laughs> then look out because you're gonna be facing you're gonna be able to bring plus twenty eight to your stats against your opponents because it, it she can share stat bonuses so your plus seven from that will turn to plus seven to all your stats so that's uh that's that's its full potential and it's very limited because <laughs> hone attack four is just quite frankly not a very enticing skill. Sure, 300 SP C slot skills are nice, but yeah, if you're unless you're gonna use this solely for its ability to, you know, boost your uh, arena scoring, then it's not the most exciting of skills. Uh, it doesn't really help your unit be any better. It only helps adjacent units. Uh, if you want to look at, say, an emblem type of buff then you could easily, instead of having Home Attack 4 on 
New Year Hood, just sticking Hone Flyers on him, then instead of giving plus 7 to attack, he'd give plus 6 to attack and 6 to speed to his fellow Flyers. Or you could stick a Wave Skill on him, and it would be plus 6 to attack instead of plus 7, but it'd be to all adjacent allies as well as himself every other turn. So, all in all, this is just another way of showing that same thing. It's not restricted by class like an emblem skill is, and it isn't restricted by turn like a wave skill is, but uh, Hone Attack 4, it's not the most exciting of skills to have. Uh, of course, that's not to say it's not good. I mean, certain units who rely on buffs to reach, you know, their, their expected potential will really like this, such as, you know, Blade Tome Wielders or like like Levitane and her Levitane and its, its Levitane effect. A lot of Levitane. Uh, but just things like that, it can be useful to have, but it's not the most exciting skill, I think. Um, sure, maybe this gives attack plus 7, but, you know... Dancers weapons can sometimes give plus three to all stats when they when they sing or dance for you. So, I mean, this this is a raw stat increase at the start of turn. It's a visible buff, so you can take this and then stack other buffs onto it. But uh, you're not going to get higher than plus seven. So, if you want to buff attack to an adjacent ally, there is no other skill that will do it as well as this one. And it's a nice 300 SPC slot skill, but it isn't really all that impressive, and uh, I don't foresee that many units running this on them. I mean, don't don't take my word for it. If you look the skill up on GamePress, there's not a single build on GamePress right now that actually uses uh, this this skill. Uh, Hone Attack Four is clearly not something people really care to build around, just because there's so many more potent C slots available. So. Well, I like it, and it can be used well under certain circumstances. Those circumstances are, you have to deliberately create them. And the difference, the difference between plus 4 and plus 7 can be significant, but uh, it also might not be. And if you're running home attack on your allies, you're probably just watching one of Phoenix Master's uh, free-to-play guides, and he, he recommended maybe home attack 2 or something on your level 44 star Olivia or something. So overall, I think it's not the most impressive of skills. And while I like it, of course, um, it's, it's, it's easily my least favorite of the limit broken skills. Continuing on, we have joint hone speed, which is similar to a uh, wave skill in its effect. Joint hone speed. It's a, uh, a pretty nice skill effect, in my opinion. It uh, it says at the serve turn, if unit is adjacent to ally, it grants speed plus five to unit and adjacent allies for one turn. So it's similar to a wave skill, but slightly different. So it's uh, say compared to say even speed wave, even speed wave will grant speed plus six on only even turns to you and adjacent allies regardless of whether or not you actually have allies next to you. But Joint Hone Speed will grant plus 5 to you and adjacent allies every turn 
uh, not five, not six speed like the wave skill, only five, but it's every turn, but it's only if you have allies adjacent to you at the start of the turn. So it has a few more, uh, hand, more, a few more things there. Uh, it's, it's a direct power creep to hone speed three. So hone speed three grants speed plus four to adjacent allies at the start of turn. But this grants speed plus five to adjacent allies at the start of turn and yourself. So it's a direct power creep in that it raises the effect of the skill by one, uh, by, by one point, one extra point of speed, but it also will give you the boost. So instead of being plus four to one unit, it's plus ten overall. Uh, potentially all the way up to, oh, what, plus 20, plus 25, if you have four allies surrounding you on uh, some sort of event map. You could also be plus five speed to four allies and yourself. Yeah, so it could be good, but uh, you could also be using a wave skill and get plus 30 on every other turn. So it's, it's in the positioning. If you're going to be next to allies at the start of a turn, this is better than a wave skill because it gives it to you and your allies every turn, not just every other turn. So it has a good effect. I definitely like it more than Hone Attack 7 uh, because the requirement for both is that you're next to an ally. And if you're next to an ally, you, you'd be sacrificing two points to one person in exchange for five points to the other. So instead of plus seven to one person, it'd be plus five to both. And I think that's just overall a stronger skill. And uh, I like Hrid better than Gunthra, so <laughs> I, I won't feel quite as badly about foddering a Gunthra if I wanted to give the skill to someone, even though I never actually pulled her. I didn't I didn't really go too much on that banner. But uh, yeah, hone, uh, hone, attack for, decent, but joint hone speed is better. Moving on to the next skill, uh, we have Steady Stance. Four, which comes on Surtur. Uh, as we all know, this is a very nice power creep to uh, Steady Stance 3. And it has a pretty nice little boost. It isn't just a little increase to stats like uh, Hone Attack 4 was. This also comes with a brand new effect to it. So, Steady Stance 3 grants 6 defense in the enemy phase, which is nice. And it comes on the Black Knight, Surtur, Shiro, and Silas. But, uh, yeah, it's not terrible. It's not a terrible skill. It's, it's good, but uh, it's not great when you compare it to the fact that the Limit Broken form grants defense plus 8 in the enemy phase, it also grants special cooldown charge of minus 1 on foe, so it's like a guard effect as well. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a good skill. Grants an extra 2 points of defense and uh, an entire new B-slot built into the weapon. So, yeah, without a doubt, this is good. This is a really solid effect, and you should not hesitate to give it to anyone if you feel like they need it and you have extra extra copies of Surtur. Surtur is such a strong unit that like I, I met him once, a team in Aether Raids that just had a bunch of Surters. Uh, I forget if it was two or three, but it was just a bunch of Surtur. And I was really, really concerned 
my for my health. I think I did beat them, but it wasn't without losing a few units. So, yeah, this is good, but uh, yeah. So steady stance for as far as being a power creep goes, it's a good power creep because sure it adds plus two to the effect, but it also gives an entire new B slot for the enemy phase. So it's like an enemy phase form of uh, of guard. So strong skill. I like it. It's a shame it came in such a powerful unit. If you fought this to anyone, then they better be worth it. <laughs> so yeah. Steady Stance 4 is a really good skill, though. Going on to the most recent Limit Broke skill, we have Sturdy Impact. And while I, I did say no uninheritable skills, this isn't necessarily uninheritable. You can give it to flying and infantry non-staff users. So... <laughs> Technically, it is inheritable, and uh, it has maybe the most ridiculously ridiculously limit broken effect, limit, like power crept effect of all of these skills. <clears throat> so what this does, and I I am sorry, brave Celica, death blow four was nice, but rest in peace because this is definitely better. So. This skill, Sturdy Impact, from Tabarn and Tabarn only, only inheritable on flying and infantry non-staff users, grants plus six attack uh, during the player phase. So it's like Deathblow 3. It also grants plus ten defense during the player phase. So it's kind of like uh, Armor Blow 5 kind of deal. And it also has the text of Foe cannot make a follow-up attack. So... It's also kind of like speed plus infinity because your your foe cannot make a follow cannot make a uh, follow up attack. They can they can counter they can counter attack, but they can't then make a double attack on you no matter what. So you'll attack someone, they'll attack you, and then they can't attack you again. So unless they have the very sought after skill, it's pretty rare that comes on uh, a drift male Corin. This is going to really cripple opponents during the player phase. I mean, plus 6 to attack, you're going to be dealing a lot of extra damage. Plus 10 to defense, you're going to kind of shut down any reaction. Except, of course, against like dragon foes. And the opponent can't make a follow-up attack, so you've crippled high-speed units. So this is like a really, really good effect. I <laughs> just, just think about it. Attack plus 6, defense plus 10. That's already just... As far as raw raw increase of stats, it's already plus sixteen. It's already far and away the highest we've had on this this list so far. Like I believe the, the closest contender was plus ten from the difference between uh, fortress defense resistance three and just the ordinary fortress defense or fortress resistance. So this is nearly twice as effective, and when you add to it the fact that opponents can't make a follow-up attack, then it's just, it's it's beyond all reason this is such a good skill. If you're a player phase unit and you have good speed or bad speed, this is a skill for you. <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite frankly one of the best skills you could possibly get on an infantry or a flying unit. And I don't really think there's any discussion to be had. 
I mean, attack speed solo, great skill. Swift Sparrow, also pretty good. Sturdy impact, broken beyond all reason. I definitely, I can't think of any infantry or flying people who wouldn't want this as their A slot. It's just such a strong effect. And uh, it's, it's once again, just like with Surtur and uh, Brave Celica, it really is unfortunate that you have to kill a strong unit and to barn for this. But uh, such is the way, and this skill is fantastic. So if you get any extra to barns, then you're going to make an infantry or flying unit on your team much better by giving them this skill. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> death blow 3 plus armored blow 5 plus infinite speed to shut down your opponents. It's really great. And if, if you stack this with the fact that Tabarn has uh, Hawk King Claw, which if your opponent is at 100%, you make a guaranteed follow-up attack, it actually is kind of like infinite speed because you will always make a follow-up attack and your opponent never will. So your opponent may as well not have a speed stat and yours may as well be infinite because as long as they're at 100% and you're initiating combat on them, then you're just going to completely shut them down. It's just, it's a good effect. And Tabarn uses it super well, and so does anyone else you put it on. So I'm going to see someone put this on Cliff someday, and I'm going to cry. <laughs> it's such a waste. Oh, well. Oh, well. So, yeah, that is that is currently, as of my time I'm doing this, all of the quote-unquote limit-broken or power-crept skills in the game, those... Six are the only ones I could find. I, I went through every single passive skill in the game to find it. So, to find these. So, I, I believe these are all of them. But, those are my opinions on them. Those are how they stack up against each other and against their uh, lesser forms. And, I thought it would be a nice change of pace from my, my other content that I, I tend to put out on a fairly irregular basis. I thought this would be a, a nice thing to have in the wings. Just for a rainy day when I have to release something. Uh, I, I've been debating maybe doing like a counterpart to this where I go over all the exclusive skills that are on the Legendary and uh, Mythic Heroes and the, the, the winners of the Choose Your Legends bracket and uh, all the other weird oddball ones like Sigurd and his Crusader's Ward. I might go over all those someday. Just the power crept non-inheritable skills and giving my opinions of them because if they're not inheritable, you know they got to be good as well. So I thought that could be a cool video idea. Go ahead and uh, give me your thoughts on that. Uh, you can do that at the subreddit at r slash phaeology. Uh, you can email the show directly at phaeology at gmail.com or you can email me directly at ilialador at gmail.com or reach me at discord at ilialador hashtag 1130. If you'd like to support the show, you can do that through anchor at anchor.fm slash phaeology. And as always, happy summoning. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the episode, and I hope you schedule another appointment with your phaeologists real soon. Take care.